quick PSA for our listeners who are U.S. citizens. The 2020 election season is now upon us, and it is so important that you make your voice be heard. Please go to www.vote.org to find out all voting information you might need, and be sure to vote early. Again, that website is www.vote.org. Plan your vote and enjoy the show. Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Let us see what the future holds. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of What the Future Holds, your Star Trek Discovery podcast. It is time for part two of our season one retrospective. We covered episodes one through nine in our last episode and had a very meandering discussion, which I loved because I love it when it's just organic and except when I'm forcing things in that I want to talk about. <laughs> Gluten-free. Free range. Non-GMO. <laughs> yep. We don't have any of those things in this podcast. So no GMOs. Artisanal. No, no, we're, we're very artisanal. Very much so. All right. So it's not just me. Obviously, you've already heard some of my friends here on the podcast. Uh, two of my very best friends, I might say. Oh, well... First of all, my husband, Dave. Dave Hello. How are you, darling? I'm well. Ready to record more Discovery. Discovery! Discovery! Rock jock it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun to rock jock things. I don't know if anyone's ever done that, but if you haven't, listeners, please try rock jocking your life. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Even if you're not a good singer, it doesn't matter. Recording Discovery! It it's like well I'll <laughs> I'll I'll mimic one that uh, Patton Oswalt did. Going down to the post office, gonna buy some commemorative stamps. Yeah, <laughs> that's rock jocking your life. <laughs> just basically singing what you're doing. Chris just shaking his head. No, <laughs> no, no. no idea. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. But you guys have it's fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, then how are you today? I'm good. I am not the husband. I'm the, I'm the cogenitor. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, um, unfortunately, you're not going to be much help because there ain't no babies coming out of this vagina. <laughs> i tell you right now. <laughs> no, this womb does not function. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I'm afraid we will not be needing your services. We'll have to uh, let you go so that you can be assigned to another family that is trying to reproduce. I'm so sorry. Uh, actually, I'm good in the in the non-reproductive family, I think. so. <laughs> okay. You can hang out here for as long as you want. We won't tell. Okay, cool. We won't tell everyone that I'm infertile. It's fine. <laughs> no kids allowed. <laughs> just cats. Yeah, just cats. Cats who act like babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... That's fine. All right. So let's uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's boldly go. <laughs> to this. the mirror universe. I'm, 
Oh. I've gotten I've gotten silly now. Yeah, we're what? in the mirror universe. We're in the mirror. Yeah. Who knew that's what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, if we were in the mirror universe, I would be Captain Killy, because I'm already Tilly. So if we were in the mirror universe, I would definitely be this ruthless, horrifying, kill absolutely everyone in her path sort of person. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be me. No empathy whatsoever. <laughs> I Just like how death. Stamets goes unchanged. There's like nothing well, really discernible between one and the other, really. <laughs> Except Stamets in the Mirror Universe was just really out for himself. He did yeah. not care about other people. So, whereas our Stamets does care about other people. And he grew. And he, right. he yeah. grew so much and really got close with Tilly, which just makes me so happy mm-hmm. because he needed that. And, you know, and that's that's the thing we'll talk about is her role in, uh, you know, Prime Tilly's role in Prime Stamets's recovery in this final six episodes. So uh, I like them figuring out very quickly where they are because of the quantum signature. Mm-hmm. of everything around them that sounds perfectly plausible to me <laughs> and i so. like how they're able to fake a different quantum signature it's like that seems like a very complex thing that you'd be able to do and yet they mm. could just like wave their hands and just suddenly they have a different quantum signature well you can you can transmit it you can't change your base quantum signature that's yeah. it's impossible to change but you can you can disguise it from a starship you know you can yeah. put out a sort of transmission i would think that mimics the quantum signature from that universe but if anyone were to do a deeper scan and like scan the humans on board then they would find out oh no you are not from here and kelpian so. ganglia are useless in other universes or or, or <laughs> toward people from other universes mm. as we learned that's why I think that the whole fear response thing is more about perception of the individual Kelpian than threats yeah, right. as a whole. As they evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe initially it was purely biological. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or chemical. Because is it a direct threat against your person or is it a more existential threat later on? <laughs> it's like exactly what threat is recognized by the ganglia. Yes. I think... I think it is on a personal level. It's something that is very, very personal to each Kelpian because what may trigger that response in one Kelpian might not be threatening to another Kelpian. So I think it's a matter of perception. With them being all together on the same planet and not being a space-faring species, I can understand why they would all have the same threat reactions because they were all in the same situation but you have Saru away from all of these other uh, members of his race and so he's only what it's only what he is perceiving to be a threat I think Mm -hmm. and and I and I'm not it's not a conscious perception of course it's more of an unconscious perception because we all kind of have that really we all have this unconscious part of ourselves that comes to the forefront and says nope Mm -hmm. yeah we have an adrenal response and so is it similar to that i mean are there kelpians that have stage fright and so the little ganglia will come up if they have to do public speaking (laughs) it's it's like we just don't know 
Yeah. If they if they had plays, <laughs> it didn't seem like they really had yeah. that kind of entertainment down on Kaminar. But yeah. we don't see a ton of their culture, but they do seem very. They gather kelp. Yeah, they're they're the hunter gatherer sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they do have certain things like they create these knives that they use to to trim flowers and things like that. They're very good at cultivation of food <laughs> and flora and fauna. What was that well, laugh about? They're very good at cultivation. I don't know. That just sounded funny to <laughs> they're me. They're cultivists. Yeah. <laughs> Not cultists, but Not cultivists. No. So, you know, they, they have to grow their own food. And, I mean, nothing's provided for them. They have to grow their own food and make their own clothes and all of these things. So they're very industrious in that way. Mm. So. Anyway, where were we? So, yeah. Uh, phew, mirror universe. Mirror and Lorca's acting... So surprised. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, this is Oh, this is a great episode. It, I like that they spaced out this arc in four episode 4 plus the tail end of episode 9. Mhm. Uh because they took their time with it and that was really fun to rewatch. This is the episode when as I mentioned on the last episode, Lorca started getting jealous of Tyler. Because mm-hmm. he realized Michael loved him because she didn't answer Lorca when he asked her about the controls with the with the worker bee and all that. Yeah. Yes. And 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 Burnham ignored Lorca and Lorca gave this little quick what? What's going on? Yeah. That that was when I realized that it wasn't like a father daughter thing to him mm-hmm. and I started getting grossed out. Yeah. <laughs> So not not that I don't love Jason Isaacs because I do and he's brilliant in this role. I don't know that anyone could have done this because Anson Mount was actually up for this role as well. Really? Yes, he auditioned for this role. Oh, I'm so glad it went this way. Agree, and so does he. He says, "No, the right person got that," mm-hmm. and then he gets to be Pike. Yeah. So it couldn't have been more perfect. It mm-hmm. really couldn't have been more perfect. So yeah, we uh, we really start to see how. Tyler is struggling with what we think is PTSD, and yet it sort of isn't. It's really the Vogue personality asserting itself. Well, big problem was bringing Laurel onto the ship. That did not help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she has the trigger word to to start Ash's whole like shadow personality. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah, it's the it's the prayer. Yeah. It's the prayer to Kalish that starts it, and it's supposed to activate him. And she even says it should be working. Something is wrong. Right. Yeah. He fell in love. And this, well, they they fell in love, but it's also that they did too good of a job mm-hmm. implanting that Ash Tyler personality. Mm-hmm. Just really too good of a job. So they did their jobs too well over there at House Mokai. Yeah. <laughs> I really like back to Lorca real quick. The the I remember when I was rewatching it the first few times after we knew Lorca was from the Mirror Universe. I I was thinking, oh, they didn't plan this right. They didn't like there are things that Lorca says and does. It d- doesn't quite add up. But on this rewatch, I I paid of course much closer attention. And one of the things that always bothered me was when Burnham said that Tilly was the captain. That Killy was the captain. And Lorca mm-hmm. goes, that's absurd. So for me, the first time, I it, it made sense to me now that the writers had him say that 
to make us think that he was thinking it was absurd that our Sylvia Tilly was the captain. But what was actually happening was that Lorca didn't know in the mirror universe that while he was gone, Tilly became the captain because he yelled, that's absurd. Don't you think maybe? Well, he wasn't on Discovery in the mirror universe. He was on the Baran. Right. But he very quickly says that's absurd when they say that Tilly's mm-hmm. the captain. Like it was a misdirect, right? Yeah, I I don't know if it was a misdirect so much as him just continuing to play the role of I okay. don't know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So I think he absolutely knew about Captain okay. Killy. I mean, she's like famous. I was headcanoning all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, because well, she has a lot of titles. So I, I'm pretty sure he knew exactly who that's she true. was. Six months would be a very short amount of time to have such a legacy of killing. Yeah. And she's really got a legacy of killing. Well, she also practices being Captain Killy, and he observes and comments on it. So I think he may be familiar enough to understand, you know, the differences. Like when she Mm -hmm. has to do it at that first response. Yeah, (laughs) like the Cooper. The Cooper's gonna. The Cooper's gonna fire on them if they don't respond. And so she finally responds, audio only. What the hell? What what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> Here's my engineer. <laughs> and then we get and to hear Jason Isaacs do a Scottish accent. I, if I remember a correctly. Very good Scottish yeah. accent. Yeah. If I remember correctly, he had no idea what accent he was going to do and just started doing Scottish. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> he's very good at it very very good i'm like yeah. i could have a whole episode of him talking like that please <laughs> i love the scottish accent i love it love it love it love it love it love it and he does it very very well yeah i have a little nitpick from this episode that's been bothering me since the first time that i saw it okay when i think it's i don't know if it's the worker bees that are repainting that are taking the u and replacing it with an i mm-hmm. transferring it from uss to iss they couldn't just do the one letter. They would have to do the whole registry and move it over. Oh, yeah. Because, because the U is wider than an I. So if they just changed it to an I, it wouldn't be centered anymore. Hmm. So they would have to move the whole thing over. Oopsie. <laughs> that bugs me. And maybe it's that I might be undiagnosed OCD. But <laughs> it bugs me. The whole thing would have to be moved over. Well, now it's going to bug me. So thanks for that. You're welcome. Thanks for ruining that for me. Because <laughs> I never really paid that close attention to it before. But what you're saying absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely correct. I mean, it's a cool effect. I love that we get to see that. That's awesome. I think that's really cool. Maybe they should have put the, the transformation on the eye. Stuff. That would have done it. <laughs> You'll just have an eye with serifs and then you're fine. Yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah, little just, curly cues, little yep. font humor. Yeah, <laughs> font humor. Font humor. Yep. Let's write that down as a possible thing. Timer. A little font humor. Classic font humor. <laughs> Ina Kleina yes. font humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so Michael makes a mistake in this episode too. She should have reported Tyler. She oh, absolutely yeah. should have reported Tyler, but her feelings for her interfered. Again. Again. 
Yeah. And <laughs> I think that she she's never been in love, you guys. Right. And she's having a difficult time navigating this because let's let's think about this. If she's if she was a child when her parents died, supposedly, and then <laughs> raised on Vulcan and then went directly into service on the Shinzo and then was a mutineer and in prison and then went on to the discovery. That girl is a She's virgin. That girl's yeah. a virgin. Oh, yeah. She has never had it. Oh, my God. Because when would she have had sex? <laughs> oh, like, God. think about it. <laughs> so, anyway, just saying. Of course, I think virginity is a really stupid social construct that was invented yeah. by men to keep women in their place. I mean, obviously, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... But, you know, when she said she'd never been in love, I just thought, well, yeah, she wouldn't have had a chance and nobody would intermingle with her on Vulcan. That's for dang sure. And she can't sleep with anybody on the Shinzo because, you know, that, unless it's someone of the exact same rank. And I don't think she ever bothered with that because she was still so much in the Vulcan logic mindset. Yeah. So really. It had multiple traumas in mm -hmm. her life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just it's some it's a conclusion that it didn't occur to me until this watch through that she was she was for all intents and purposes a virgin. I had not thought about that. Yeah, unfortunately I did. And now everybody else thinks about it and I've ruined it for you all. You are welcome. <laughs> so yeah, but Michael absolutely shouldn't should have reported him. And yet that's the thing. She doesn't know how to be in a relationship and do her job. She's never been in this situation before. So I can totally understand why she didn't. And at the same time, was it the right thing to do? No, probably not. But she ends up paying for that. And she learns from her mistakes. Well, Culber ends up paying for it too. Yeah. <laughs> but he found he knew too much. Yeah. He's the only one that figured it out. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like he they did their job well enough for him to pass your basic Starfleet medical exams, but he went deeper at at Ash's behest. Mm -hmm. Cuz Ash was really trying to figure out what the hell was going on with him. Mhm. Mm Stay out of the palace. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've got poor catatonic Stamets who is drifting in and out of realities to be frank yeah mm -hmm. and Tilly really worried about him really 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 worried about him but also having to do this Captain Killy thing and so <laughs> I do Which love she's really good at she's very good at if I I can't remember what the whole sentence was but you know, if if one of my crew responded like that to me, I'd cut their tongue out and use it to lick my boots. That's yeah. it. That's the line. <laughs> Just, damn, girl. Oh, Mary Wiseman, you are a genius. Well, and she a bookends that treasure. with the final episode as well. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, oh, put this blaster in your face. And it's like, you'll. You'll be able be to sniff your own brain or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that to be Orion. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and yes. this episode also brings us our first time Culber neck snap number one. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's not the last time. No. They make us watch it a lot. Yes. Uh, yes I started counting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, it's hard. It was such a shock to me. Like, I had, I couldn't process what I was seeing the first time when I, I saw this episode. I'm just like, no, he's, no, he's, he's, is he dead? He's not dead. He's not, he, no, he's dead. Oh, I was so upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. But watching it again this time, the next several episodes, you know how the, everyone was complaining, oh, you're killing the gays, kill the gays, all that kind of stuff. But now that I'm watching it back, knowing that he was coming back, they totally did, they totally meant to do that. They totally mm-hmm. were going to bring him back. There are little clues throughout the rest of the season. Oh, definitely, because yes. um, Stamets the dialogue, yeah, says yeah. several times that mushrooms connect death to life. Death and life, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of other little moments. Yeah, and it's, they're nature's recyclers. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is why life is eternal. Yes. So, yeah. And then actually seeing him in the mycelial mm-hmm. network, which we'll get to. Right. So, yeah. We still, at this point, do not know who the emperor is, though we've heard tell of the emperor. But pretty much nobody... Seems to know what the emperor looks like. Kind of a xenophobic thing there as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we've got a lot of preparing to look like we're Terran Empire people. And that is thanks to the data core that they got off of that ship. That Klingon ship, which also had like Vulcan and Andorian DNA signatures as well. And that's mm-hmm. when they realize, oh, they must have banded together to oppose the Terran Empire. Which tells Michael Burnham there might be a solution to the war. They just need to find a way to include Klingons with the other races and not have them be so xenophobic, but actually to band with other races. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the first thing that I thought is, why is this such a mystery to you guys? It's obvious, bor- obviously born out of necessity. Yeah. Because that is exactly what happened with humans after World War III. There were so few of them left that they stopped being racist and stopped being biased against religion or gender identity or sexual identity or any of those things and just started working together because it was either that or go extinct. I like, though, that that's not what occurred to them because that's not the world they're living in. That's not the world that our crew of Discovery are living in. They mm. they live in a world where everybody just works together. And so the Klingons are an anomaly. And so they don't understand this necessity thing because they've never lived it. They've never been through it. And I love how they kind of highlight that with Michael being so desperate to figure out why they are, you know, united with all of these other races. Yeah. So... But yeah, we got to get Michael back on the Discovery. Excuse me, on the Shenzo. <laughs> Getting my mm-hmm. ships mixed up. Yeah. And uh, we get to see some familiar faces from the uh, crew of the Shenzo in the early part of the season. Connor. Oh, Connor. He was just he was just too dainty to be a captain in the Terran Empire. 
just a fragile little white boy. <laughs> he wasn't going to last long. San Bartholomeos is his name. He's so cute. He is so cute. But the yeah, there was just how is this guy still captain? How has no one killed him yet and usurped? I mean, how did how did Detmer not just take him out of the picture at this point? Oh, right. So, but he, you know, that's the interesting thing. When Michael shows up again, he decides he's going to do that. And she wins. And and that's the thing, the horror, the horror in her at having to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And the look on his face, too, because you see her look of regret and horror at having to kill him and to see in his eyes this look of kind of like, why are you why? looking at me like that? Yeah. yeah. Confusion. <laughs> yeah. Absolute I mean, let's, confusion. let's give props to Jonathan Frakes for directing this episode, oh, too. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. Like, hello. Yes. He, Jonathan Frakes, it, I've said it many times, is an actor's director because he's been on both sides of that camera. And he mm. really, really knows how to get these performances out of people. Although with Sonequa yeah. Martin-Green, you don't need to do anything. Just let her be her <laughs> magical self. <laughs> Yep. She is yeah. just, she's just God, magical. She's so smart. She oh, just, mm, the choices that she makes, just what she does with her hands, even when she's just sitting still and talking, mm-hmm. just her, oh, she's just, in my opinion, she's a genius. Yeah, because I, I she agree. just is so good at creating a presence, at creating this character. Mad props to her. She's very aware. She's a very she aware is. actor and I'm sure person is person too. Yeah, I hearing her I, speak. I feel like she's got some empathic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you see through this arc with Michael as she's trying to put up this front of being a Terran throughout this whole arc, you can see pieces of her humanity just kind of slipping away and her trying to grab onto that as best she can without letting letting everyone know that this kind of behavior horrifies her. So mm-hmm. she has to be the cruel captain, but it's so against her personality that there's definitely a conflict there that kind of mirrors the one happening inside Tyler. Yeah, mm. it does, because he has these tendencies, but he doesn't know where they're coming from. Yeah. So he's he's trying to suppress the tendencies, whereas she's trying to suppress her humanity. Yeah. He's trying to suppress the Klingon, but he doesn't know that yet. I mean, he doesn't consciously know it yet, but that's coming. Yes. Very, very soon. I think let's let's actually go there. Let's go to meeting the rebels and meeting the wolf. The wolf inside. The white, yeah, the white wolf that is the de facto leader of this rebellion of other races. When they go to Talos Four, I mean, sorry, <laughs> the Rebel Planet. It, that's exactly <laughs> what I said. I said Any number of rock thing. quarries from Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I, and in fact, I turned to Dave and I said, "Hey, Dave, it's Talos Four. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, they found a rock quarry. Great. Well, and and he even says, "Oh, it looks suspiciously like a rock quarry." And I'm like, "That's because it is." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this episode also brings us Culber neck snap two and three. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. In the previously on and in a flashback. Mm-hmm. Yep, the flashback. That's hard. We uh, we 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 see 
a lot of familiar faces here as well. Get to see all kinds of people. Get to see a Tellarite and an Andorian and some Vulcans yeah. and etc. I love what they're doing with Andorian's voices. Mm. They're very yeah. deep and very resonant. <laughs> yeah, like it. It's a more yeah. robust Andorian yeah. than, yes. than, than from Enterprise. Yes, but, you know, Shran was still my favorite Andorian yep. of all time. Yeah. Because Shran. Shran. So. Shran. Just so. Oh, Jeffrey Combs. I love you. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, we uh, we finally get a little more of a trigger for our friend Ash Tyler because he comes yeah. face to face with himself. Yeah. In Klingon form. Mm-hmm. I thought during this episode during this rewatch of this episode and i know that i'm saying that a lot but i've had several rewatches and this was just a very different different perspective for me this time but you know how everyone was complaining all along when season one first came out about how they're breaking canon and they didn't have this and they didn't have this and nobody knows about this ship and all this kind of stuff and for some reason during this episode it occurred to me that the plan all along was to have the appearance of breaking canon to then restore it and then free themselves from it at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. And I, I just started, I can see the little pieces. Like I feel like I can see the writers figuring and the producers <laughs> fi- figuring all of this out and that they were going to do this all along with discovery anyway. Yeah. Chris can see the clearing in the forest, you know, <laughs> With the time crystals and the opening sequence oh, and yeah. stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't, that's that has nothing to do with this episode, yeah, really. Because but... they, they even seed the time crystals for season two with the that Harry Mud episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's got a big one on his ship inside the Gormagander. Yeah, Harry Mud has a big one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's writing title. it down. <laughs> Harry Mud has, a, has big a big one. one. <laughs> I really love this episode. I like Wolf Inside a lot. Yeah, it's 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 hard to watch Michael trying to be this ruthless person and knowing what she's really like and her struggle with that and then managing to get the rebels to take them to her their camp and let them meet with their leader. And then finding out that it's Voke because she remembers Voke. And to have Sarek there. Oh, right. Sarek with the Spock mirror beard. Um, yes. Just, yeah. Yeah. I was into that. <laughs> so in this mirror universe, Spock is part of the Terran Empire, right? Yes, he is. So that must be tearing him up inside. Yeah, yep. must be tearing him up. Tearing him up inside. <laughs> yes. She's writing that one down, too. Tearing... <laughs> him up inside it's it's interesting i don't know how they filmed this so well because you can put the same makeup on a different actor and not and it's not going to look like the same person it's not going to look like that person anymore it's not going to look like the the makeup anymore so Mm -hmm. whoever they had in the vogue makeup when it wasn't shazad latif it was really well done when they were fighting? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Really, really well done. Oh, yeah. And the restraint that Volk had, because he could have killed him. Could have killed oh, Ash right yeah. there. Easy. And he didn't. Yeah, he threw down his batleth, and that just kind of went to the side of him. 
Well, this is a very different Volk, right? Mm-hmm. Than mm-hmm. the one that we know from the Prime Universe. Yeah, this definitely. Is, like, I mean, he's he. If you if you truly come in peace, he will find it in your heart. Like, he, this is a very, very different. You know, this is this is the opposite kind of side of Volk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the uniter that he can be, mm-hmm. if he's not focusing on the complete destruction of every other race. <laughs> so. Right. Because the, the, the Klingons in the Prime Universe are a little bit Terran Empire at the moment. Right. A little more than a little bit. But, yeah, it's just this whole remain Klingon thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's just, they they make some statements, the Klingons in the Prime Universe, about how everything going on in Starfleet and the Federation is just hom- homogenizing everything. Yeah. And there have been arguments about that before, but I don't really see it that way. I see a lot of different races from across the galaxy coming together and working together and, you know, somehow just finding a way to make that work without losing their own identities. Oh, yeah, that you're able to keep your own culture to a certain extent. I mean, there's... Starfleet ideals that you must embrace to be part of Starfleet. That's why making the Fringy Starfleet seems kind of shaky. <laughs> it's like their treatment of women is just you know isn't not conducive to being a Starfleet officer. That that may but, be true for the yeah. race as a whole, but you can't judge one person by their race. Yeah, that's why Nog got into Starfleet is because he wasn't judged by the proclivities of his race. Yeah, but if the if you want to be part of the Federation of Planets, then yeah, there's definitely. Oh well, Ferenginar isn't part of the Federation. Change. I I know that, but if they ever did want to be for that, they'd have to change some of the customs. Which you know, if you follow Deep Space Nine far enough, they start to make those adjustments. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But to Not... see how Klingons would be part of the Federation of Planets, they'd have to change things as well. Yeah. And they go into that far more deeply in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Right. So so look that up, folks. Moving on. <laughs> well, I have another... I have an, Are we still on this episode, on the wolf inside? Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm just moving on from this particular diversion okay. that we took. So back to the okay, wolf cool. inside. Yes. Because obviously you have something to say. I do. So this is another episode in which Michael really stood out for me so much like I just felt so much more empathy for Michael because of the trauma like the trauma with with Ash uh and 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 then Lorca like this is where he held her hand and said you're not alone and I just felt like okay this is this is this goes back to my my comment from before about like the racism and the sexism involved in hating on Sonequa and the character of Michael Burnham. Mm. Like I started realizing watching this episode, most of the criticize cr- most of the criticism that we heard before was from like, you know, white men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, as I'm watching this episode and I'm feeling so much more empathy for Michael, my mind starts wandering and my you know my thought processes and it occurs to me so strongly that all of these people that have criticized Michael Burnham or called her a Mary Sue or whatever and all that kind of stuff in an, in a derogatory way, these are people that can't even consider what this character means to Pete, to other people and to the world. Like, you know, on one open channel show, there's a black woman that I met at STLV and said that 
Michael is her favorite character because she never thought she'd see someone that looked like her in Star Trek. And so on top of the fact that, you know, Michael is a deeply complex character, you also have the allegory of what black women have to go through in this world, you know, and like to see a character like that, that is so complex and who is flawed, but also has a good heart and everything like it's a huge deal that Sonequa is playing this character, like just to the world, to Star Trek, but to the world in general. Like I just, I was so moved by her performance in this episode that I just started thinking of all the different implications of having someone like her lead a show, you know? It yes. really pisses me off that yeah. people have hated so much on her. Yeah. And, and on this character. The criticism of Mary Sue is always sexist because nobody mm-hmm. ever criticizes a male for being capable or being multifaceted. It's only when a woman character can do multiple things well that suddenly she's a Mary Sue. As right. if it's impossible that a woman could be capable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, been feeling that my whole life. So yeah. it's it's very, very frustrating because, you know, we could say that about so many male characters. I mean, Spock, Data. But I'm not even talking about Kirk. Star Trek per se, but there are so many fictional characters yeah. that are such Mary Sue's, but because they're men, nobody ever mm-hmm. calls them out on it. Like Tony Stark, come on. James Bond. Super Mary Sue. Doctor Who. Doctor Who, big Mary Sue. Um, except now mm-hmm. it's a woman. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And suddenly she gets criticism for being mm-hmm. capable. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, sexism still, still rearing its ugly, ugly head because nobody can believe that someone with a vagina can be a badass. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it infuriates me. Like, it infuriates me that people respond that way and call themselves Trek fans. And if you're listening to this and you're offended by this, you might want to, like... <laughs> Do some self-examination mm-hmm. <laughs> and ask yourself why this is triggering mm. to you. Just saying. Yeah, because it's, it's <laughs> triggering to me that people would still react this way to a capable character just because it's a female. I mean, the writers chose, the, the, the creators and the writers chose this. All of these things that people are criticizing, they knew that mm-hmm. was going to happen. They knew it. They knew all of these things were going on in their mind, and they still did it anyway. They still did the right thing, and that is amazing. It is, and Sonequa taking on the role because she had to know that she was going to face this criticism. Of course. She lives her life as a black yeah. woman. You know? she, she knows. She's aware. Yeah. And she, she's Ugh. finally in, a, in this series where she gets to be the main character. She gets to be the badass, but she's she's not... Some perfect, hard to believe that this person exists sort of character. She's very, well, the, very real. Yeah, whole series right. starts with her making a really big mistake, and that is the mutiny. And so it starts with the character making probably one of the biggest mistakes throughout all of Star Trek, and then mm-hmm. having to do the redemptive arc from that. Right. Yeah. They reduced her to the absolute rock bottom that you can for a Starfleet officer. And then she she claws her way back, tooth and nail. And failing to report that Ash Tyler is having these emotional problems, that he's having these PST, PST, PTSD, P, 
Yeah. PSTD so. is something else. <laughs> P <laughs> PTSD. Post traumatic. <sighs> yeah. Post traumatic okay. stress disorder. That he's having this post traumatic stress disorder. That he's having these episodes. She should report that. And because she doesn't, Colbert dies. And so that's mm-hmm. partly on her, too. Mm hmm. So, yeah, she does make mistakes. She's not incapable of making mistakes. No. Which is why it doesn't make any sense that people are calling her a, quote, Mary Sue. It doesn't yep. make any sense because nope. she screws up. You know, she makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do everything and fix everything all the time. She causes issues. You know, she's human. Yeah. Yep. It's because she's a woman and she's good at things and they don't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me sad that there are still that many people who think that way. It actually kind of churns my stomach. Because mm-hmm. what hope do we have of getting to that Trek future with people like this, people who still think like this? And it's so many people that are brainwashed to think men are more capable because history, men have taken credit for the things women have done. Women scientists, mm-hmm. women authors, women artists. There are so many women that have achieved things, but because society didn't allow them to assign their name to it, men did instead mm-hmm. or they pretended that they were men yeah or they pretended like what george Eliot. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh, uh yeah i love star trek uh, star <laughs> yes. trek is amazing and it it gives me hope for humanity especially in a time where i feel like hope for humanity is in very short supply <laughs> yeah yeah Whew. okay why did they say, why did Tilly say, two questions, where was the CMO when Saru let Tilly, quote, operate on Stamets? Where's the CMO? Because that's a big deal. And Tilly's not a doctor. And why did she say we need to put the network inside him? I was confused when I was rewatching that this time at those two things. Uh, he needed to be exposed to the spores and interact with them. That is what she I was think talking she- about compared his brain patterns to that of the tardigrade i think was the issue and that when the tardigrade was i think starting to fail it had like a lot of white matter issues or something like that okay and so she tried to get his pattern back in line because it was yeah he needed to be exposed to the spores yeah to to recover I shouldn't think overthink techno babble stuff. Yeah. It's okay. It's a TV show. I shouldn't overthink it. We we all do it. And as far as the CMO, basically Saru's in command, and Tilly made a very strong case, and said medicine mm. isn't helping him. It's not going to fix him. I can. Yeah. And she was right. <laughs> But it was obvious that they were aware that they were going to have medical on standby because there were two doctors there waiting to see what was going to happen. The blonde one came back. Yeah. 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 To see how the treatment was going to work. And so... With their nifty, hexagonal-looking defibrillators. Yep. Or were they circular? (laughs) Well, the thing about defibrillators is they're always used wrong in movies and television. Yeah. Always, always, always. Yeah, they're not there to restart your heart. They're there to get it back into rhythm. Yeah, it doesn't work on a non-beating heart. No, nope. <laughs> that's not. You're not shocked it. back to life, Frankenstein style. No, 
No, that's not how a defibrillator works. No, no, it isn't. And I don't know why we still do that in movies and television because it's not right. It's not right. (laughs) Yep. (sighs) At least they did the side and the chest instead of two chests because you see that mistake a lot too. That when is both pad- paddles are put to the chest, it's like, nope, no, that's not how it works. You're not going to create create a large enough circuit. Oh, wow. Mm-mm. You have to do the hmm. side and the chest. Yep. To create okay. a long enough circuit to kind of jumpstart things and Interesting. get the heart back into regular rhythm. Yep. It's true because I've seen that done to my mother because she has AFib. And I've seen them shock her heart back into place. It is not a fun procedure. And oh my God. They, they warned me because they put her to sleep. She's not aware of anything. So, But they warned me. Now, it's going to look like she's in pain, but she isn't feeling anything. But it was still a shock when the shock happened. And her body flailed like that. And it just, it's, mm-hmm. it was disturbing. It was definitely very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your muscles respond to electrical stimulus like that. And so, yeah, she yeah. Uh, gyrate and stuff. Yeah, so, so that's yeah. also another thing they get wrong in movies and television. Please stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. But then what would they do? <laughs> they can't have some dramatic way of coming back in and restarting someone's heart if they don't have the the paddles. Yeah, It's got to be parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that that killy hair had to be a wig because there's no freaking way I could have done that to Tilly's yeah. hair. And I like how she says her mother would approve. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's very it's very interesting because everything's cut at like these these diagonal angles in her hair. Mm-hmm. Like even the back of her hair is like a, a a whale tail. It's like cut so that it looks kind of more like a whale tail than anything else. I don't know why. Just mm-hmm. uh, it's to show all the sharp edges of Captain Killy, I guess. That she's angular instead of curvy. Yep. <laughs> Except she's curvy. Yeah. I love Tilly's curvy. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Uh, well, at the end of The Wolf Inside, we get some uh, some fun stuff. We get to finally see the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And we, saw, we see that little smirk on Lorca. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, oh. Michael's gonna love this. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's also that he's like he's like finally I'm getting to where I want to be. Finally, she oh. showed up, and now I can yeah. get find my way on that ship. It's so. all going according to plan, sort of. Yes, he thought. He Except was he's unraveling a little bit. Yeah, he he is unraveling, which is interesting teeny to see. Little teeny yeah. little pulls on the thread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle. Yes. It's like he planned far enough to get home, but after that, his plan's kind of just up in the air a little bit. I mean, I know he's got some pawns in play, but other than that, it doesn't seem like the most clever <laughs> of plans. It's it's not. Be- well, he yeah. does say that when he frees Mirror um, uh, Landry, Landry, and she asks him, so what's... You do you even have a plan? And he says, "I've been to another universe and made it back here. You think I'd come back without a plan?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not a particularly good plan. It's 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 a very blunt force sort of plan. It's like he he, he left out the variable of having the Discovery crew still there. Mm-hmm. It's like he forgot that part. Yeah, <laughs> that they might interfere right. with whatever he's doing. Yeah, and just as much of an effect that he had on them. 
you know, being abusive, even though they weren't totally aware of it all, still affects them. They had an effect on him too. So those were things that hadn't been anticipated, that he hadn't anticipated, was that he would be changed by his exposure to them and vice versa. Like he even says that he developed a respect for Saru. Mm -hmm. And that's something as just being a Terran in the mirror universe, you would never respect a Kelpian. No. Right. He, they softened him up a little bit. They weakened him. They did a little bit. He would never admit that though. Cause you know, he talks to discovery is like, Oh, uh, you know, I made you guys these battle hardened soldiers. Once again, being your classic sociopathic narcissist. Mm -hmm. And I just thought you don't get them at all. No. Like when he said, your Giorgio is dead to Burnham. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, bitch, so is your Burnham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your Burnham yep. is too, you manipulative narcissist. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's he's trying to use it on her when he's caught up in the same thing himself. Mm-hmm. He's caught up in his own delusion that this Burnham is going to be like his Burnham. Yep. I must say I was delighted to see Michelle Yeoh return as Giorgio, mm-hmm. even this Giorgio, because... I love Michelle Yeoh, no matter what she does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she's so good at being evil. You can tell she's having the time of her life I in know. this role. But so deadpan at some times. Yeah. I'm like, ah, uh-huh. oh, the intensity is crazy. Oh, my gosh. She's magnificent. And how she slinks everywhere. Yes. <laughs> she's like a, like a jungle cat. She is. She is very predatory in her yeah. movements. And uh, we get our first look at the Charon. Mm-hmm. With and we its... get Colburn neck snap four and five. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you kept a tally of this. I mean, remember when we were watching it and it was just like, I, I know in your shows you were like, or on the live shows, maybe you were like, how many times do I have to see this? Every mm-hmm. time it kills me. So I thought I'd it's, count. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. It's it's easier this time through. I mean, having the context of season 2 obviously makes everything easier, but it doesn't hurt any less. And the sound. I know. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Oh my god. You They're guys have to make it so it. real. <laughs> They're just poking the wound. Ah. <sighs> yep. They're definitely poking that wound. And his own horror when he remembers what he did. Oh, yeah. Does it Ash just going, yeah, just the look of pure disgust in himself. Yeah. All all of these episodes kind of bleed together for me. And so I can't, I can't exactly remember what happened in what episode. But let's talk about Kelpians being slaves. And there was a Saru. There was a Saru there who was Mm -hmm. apparently. Even though Michael lied. Yeah. To well, I get why she did that. It's the same reason why Saru didn't tell her about Stamets. So yeah, it's interesting that they both withhold information so they don't get somebody off mission. Yeah, they were it's like, protecting. okay, you don't need to know this right now. This is something you can find out later. We need to protect you so you think clearly to follow through with the mission. Yeah. Hmm. So that was very interesting that they're both at that point where they're protecting each other. Yeah. Without that person knowing that they're being protected. It's interesting, and I I still can't be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure 
that Saru is the Kelpie and that they ate for dinner? Well, they said no in t- on Twitter. Like they Did said they? it wasn't the same one. Okay. I think so. But I keep thinking the same thing too because it looks so much like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know he's the one that uh, does her nails in the bath. Yeah. For her ablutions, well, yeah, which her is the ablutions. word that I learned. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's an old-fashioned term. Yes. I had yeah. never known that known that word before. Yep. That's your that's your getting ready thing. That's the washing up. It's an old Victorian novel kind of word right there. Mm-hmm. Ablutions. I like it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that was that was definitely Saru, and that's why she started calling him Saru after a respected friend. Mm-hmm. And I like that she said it that way because she is she has found this respect for Saru now and considers him a friend. And he saved her life. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. And I, it makes me wonder if he sensed something about her. I think so, because would the regular like Taryn Michael treat him so respectfully? Mm. I doubt it. Yes. And so it's like he sensed that this Michael was to be protected, especially mm. with the threat ganglia. So if he didn't seem like a threat to him, hmm. then yeah, Interesting. protect her. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that until just this minute. Mm. Yeah. Funny how that turns out. Yeah, uh, Michael finally gets to have sex. So there's that. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Good for her. And she dismisses him real fast. Well, yeah, because that's when Saru shows up. (laughs) I'm done with you. You may go. We're done here. (laughs) It's interesting that the emperor... First of all, I love that it's the emperor, not empress. No genderfication there. Right. See, that the emperor does have a weakness, and that weakness is love for Michael Burnham. Mm -hmm. She honestly, truly loved michael and i really like how they are both really triggering for each other yes mirror Giorgio and prime burnham but they also really are touching each other you mm-hmm. know they're really touching to each other i love that dynamic it is it's very complicated and yet it's the same thing any one of us would have done in the same situation mm-hmm. i feel and th- it's interesting because that's what that's what Sarek says later on when he's talking about how this whole thing has to be classified and nobody gets to know about the mirror universe. Because what would you do to find out if that person you lost was alive in that universe? What would you do to get there? Right, right. And that was dangerous. And I, that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true, not just for humans, but for all species, even Vulcans, even Vulcans, because he had a little bit of emotion going on when he was talking about that. So mm-hmm. that's that's our prime Sarek, though. I, I really did love that goatee. Yeah. On Mirror Sarek. And it's interesting that uh, Mirror Sarek, not that different from Prime Sarek. So... It's that's the funny thing about the mirror universe is everyone is expecting their counterpart to be the exact opposite, but that really isn't true. Landry. Yeah, Landry's pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. much the same in either universe. There is literally I no difference. I think she might have been a little softer in the mirror universe, a little 
yeah. more loving and affectionate in the it's the agonizer universe. booth it softened yeah. her up a little bit yeah, yeah. tenderized her <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ew. either that or she may i don't know maybe she had a prior relationship with Lorca that we don't know about because yeah. it well, seems she like wanted it in the prime universe uh that's what i thought too yeah, it seemed like that, except in Star Trek Online, she is most definitely not uh, exclusively heterosexual. Yeah, she's bi, right? I think so, yes. Yeah, I think even Rekha Sharma had mentioned, talked about her being bi, yeah. the character. Yeah. So she can she can like many people. Yeah. And hey, why not? If if you like everything on the sample tray, <laughs> why not have a little bit of all? Did you guys notice, I didn't notice this before, but when Lorca, I'm in what's past his prologue. I'm not sure yes. which one we're at. But we're, we're kind of messing around. When, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they're all, it's all one big story. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like the, one long movie. Yeah. The, ta- the time that Lorca called Michael my Burnham, I, I, I didn't catch it at first. And then I rewound and put the subtitles on. And there's a point where, where he calls her my Burnham. And mm-hmm. I just like, mm-hmm. it made my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. I think he said that'll be my Burnham or something like that. Yep, that ugh. is exactly what he says. Ugh. Yeah, it just oh, oh, it grossed me out. Yeah, he's falling into the same trap that he's basically chast- get... chastising her for. So right, yeah, he yeah. knew that Michael seeing Giorgio as the emperor would mess with her, mm-hmm. would mess with her head. Same things happening to him. Yep. Yeah. He's just not accepting that it's happening to him because narcissists mm-hmm. and sociopath. Yep. He's he's too good for that. That couldn't possibly Ugh. be happening to him. Oh my god. <sighs> what do you think of Lorca pulling a Joker Loki kind of assault on the palace that he's taken in as a prisoner and then uses that as his way of taking over? Oh well, that was absolutely his idea. But yeah. Michael was you think in it's on an it. overused kind of plot thing because we see it a lot with villains lately, is them coming in under the guise of being captured only to turn the tables on people. Well, I don't think it's really. I wouldn't say it's overused. Um, it actually fits this situation in this universe extremely well because, of yeah. course, uh, Giorgio is going to want to kill him herself course she is and how else is he going to do a like lead a prison break without being on the ship where his crew is yeah see that's the thing everything he did was to get on that ship and get his followers freed and then go mount an attack and take over as emperor he would have made a terrible emperor you guys (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely terrible yeah, it's all about his self-interests. It's not about the Terran Empire's interests. Mm-hmm. And we can see how that goes. <laughs> if you're interested only in yourself and lead an organization or empire. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's the thing. This whole universe as a whole, they're always, the Terrans are always looking behind them for the next knife that's coming for their back. So Yeah, and that's something they address. They always live in fear. Mm-hmm. That th- supposedly they're super strong, but they're always living in fear. And that's the advice. Is it Michael that gives Tilly? I think so. On how to play yes. the role of Captain Killy is you're always afraid because there's always somebody that will betray you. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that. We're supported by people you know, who love us and want us to succeed. 
And so that gives us strength. Their strength is born out of fear. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe we should check in with Mirror Stamets because we got a glimpse of him earlier yes. in the season. And that was when people started suspecting that there was Mirror Universe stuff coming. I mean, we literally yes. saw him in the mirror. Literally yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that Mirror Stamets ended up in the mycelial network much the same way that Prime Stamets did. But Mirror Stamets is much more of a dick. Like, way beyond (laughs) anything that Prime Stamets ever said or did. Yeah, there's this callousness regarding the mycelial network in that they're poisoning it because they're using it as a power source. Mm -hmm. And they're not allowing it to replenish itself. They just have the hubris that when they run out, they'll be able to do it again somehow. The sheer fucking hubris. hubris Exactly. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's always how you say that now. You know, you d- right. you can't just say hubris. You have to say sheer fucking hubris. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing him egging our Stamets to get them both out of there. It's really not until uh, Stamets comes across Culber that he finally figures out how to get himself back into his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unwittingly also does the same for Mirror Stamets. Mirror Stamets, of course, is basically hiding. Yeah, I mean, he was in there for a long time, right? Yeah. yeah. That means he was in the network ever since, I mean, at least when they were brushing their teeth. That's the yeah. perhaps the first yeah. time that we saw them. So that's a long time. It is a long oh, time. Yeah. But then time is different in the mycelial network. True, so yeah. It, it may have seemed longer to him. Or it may have seemed shorter. It seemed to me like it's it felt longer to him. Because mm-hmm. time is not a constant. <laughs> I see it's work. a flat circle. It, okay, it's a flat circle, honey. It's a flat circle. Yep. I know. You say that every time <laughs> I say Tom, it's not a constant. You say it's a flat circle. <laughs> so basically, uh, Mirror Stamets whole thing is staying alive. Staying alive long enough to... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> we all knew it was coming, and Dave was the one yes. to bring it to us. Thank you. Which is, you know, the sampled for We Trying to Stay Alive from Magic to Make the Sanest Mango Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That was... Full mm, circle. I made that connection. Mm-hmm. Full flat circle. Yeah, flat circle. Ooh. Absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know we're kind of just sliding all over the place within this Mirror Universe stuff, but that's because it's just all one one story. It's jumbly. It, it is yeah. a bit jumbly. In that, uh, in the, when Burnham communicated with Saru and she let, when they're in the main, whatever, throne Term, room, yeah. uh, when, you know, Burnham was kind of cueing to Saru that now... You know, I'm oh, yeah. I'm where I need to be, Saru. This is my place. Mm-hmm. There's this little tiny look after she says that that Lorca gives. That in my mind, the subtext for that look is, "Oh shit, she's setting me up." <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, she's communicating with Saru. Mm-hmm. This is gonna get. This is this is not what I had planned. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, especially when Saru says, "That's all I needed to see." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That worried him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, "Wait, yes. what?" <laughs> Wait, what? But again, it's so subtle. It's so tiny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It's really well done because he, that's not the, ex, that's not what he expected Saru to do. He expected Saru to fight for Michael, even with her saying that it was her choice and that she was where she needed to be. Right. So mm-hmm. he did not expect Saru's response. And I think that's the thing that really triggered him was just like, wait, wait. That was easy. Yeah. It was <laughs> that was too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Oh, I do love seeing Michelle Yeoh fight. I do, I oh, do, I do. Oh, my God. I do. I remember that sequence. the first time that I recall ever seeing her was on the big screen, Super Cop, Jackie Chan movie. Oh, yeah. I don't know that one. And she, the the way that she moves, the way, the things that she can do with her body just blew my mind like that kick to Lorca's head oh my when he's standing God. behind her and I'm like I've seen her do that before I've also seen her do it the opposite way with a kick behind into somebody's head oh my god she yes. Cynthia Rock Rothrock is famous for that yeah. kick. <laughs> she's a big action star yeah I come Kung Fu fighter I just love that they utilize that aspect of Michelle Yeoh because oh yeah it's something she's extremely good at you guys and to get her to do swordplay, mm-hmm. which if you think of, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you know, that's really something unique to her abilities. Yes. So, yeah, give her a sword and let her go to town. Absolutely. Do wushu on everybody. Yes. Made me so happy. She's magnificent. Yeah. Because we got to see that a little bit in uh, Battle at the Binary Stars, but not nearly enough. So it yeah. was really fun to see her just being a badass. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole reason that Michael decided to jump on her as she was transporting out was because of the fact that she said, you know, you go, I'll buy you some time. And right. that was kind of this signal, I think, to Michael, whether it was conscious or subconscious, that there was something worth saving there. Yeah, People who understand self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. The ultimate sacrifice, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't expect from her, not from Emperor mm-hmm. Jojo. Yeah, it was a no-win scenario that she was going to die on that ship. And it's like, nope, I see all you die once. I'm not going to allow you to die again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, Michael Burnham. Find a way home. Yeah. Live. <laughs> I teared up during that part. I know. I teared up a couple times in this episode. That mm-hmm. was one. The other one was when they were on their way home. Yep. I mean, oh, I know yeah. we're skipping Lorca's death, but... Yeah, well, Lorca falls into the mycelial sun. Yeah, um, that's what I call it. Screams. Mushroom sun. We we're also we also skipped Lorel terminating the Vogue personality. Right. Which I wasn't sure that that's what she had actually done. I wasn't either. It took until the end of the season where I, until I finally accepted. Okay, okay, I that's what she really did. I mean, she did do the Klingon death howl, right? Oh yeah, she mm-hmm. uh, yelled Stovacor. to Stovacor. Mm-hmm. Yep, the that wharf did. <laughs> Scream to allow them, yeah, know that a warrior is coming. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because, honestly, she, I, I was surprised that she did that. But then at the same time, there was no way that folk was ever coming back. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, yeah, his his thoughts and memories were in there, but it wasn't his body and Saru was a real badass when he got her to do it the way he got her to mm-hmm. like that oh, yes. I was like oh shit Saru alright yep. that was that was some tough mm-hmm. uh, manipulation there 
Yes, and I I love that he started gaining his confidence, especially during Choose Your Paint, because he was Mm -hmm. in command while when Lorca went missing. He stopped thinking about what other captains would do and just was, what would I do? What, what I'm in command now. And he started mm-hmm. to understand himself as a commanding officer and really, really mm-hmm. displays that in what's past his prologue because he makes this speech to the crew and I can't <laughs> talk about it without speech. getting yeah. emotional. Yeah. I won't repeat it, but yeah, he he just really inspires everybody and is just so powerful he's the sort of captain that knows how to delegate he knows that you know how to do your job that's why you're there and so really all you have to do is allow them to do it you don't have to give them any major specific orders for the most part it's like okay you do the thing that's required of you and everybody does the same thing we're going to get through this yeah and that's the thing um, he is not a micromanager. No. He's like, you have your orders? Get to it. And it was like, one, two, three, break. And everybody. Yeah. But yeah, just, oh, just that moment. I'm just like, yep, this is this is mm-hmm. our Saru. This is our Saru now. And I was so happy that he'd found that within himself because I felt it was always there, but he was too caught up in other problems, the jealousy and the resentment towards Michael and with all of that gone now he is free to just be who he actually is and that is an excellent commanding officer Mm -hmm. and boy that's a rough ride home that's another part that makes me cry is when he's when Stamets is saying there's too it's you know bifurcating too quickly there are too many permutations and then you hear Hugh again he says follow the music Paul open your eyes I I I teared up. Yep. Many, uh, many tears. And you hear the Castilian opera, and it's be- it's such a beautiful sequence. Oh, my God. It is. It is absolutely beautiful. And they get medals like at the end of Star Wars. Not yet. Well, not yet. <laughs> Good Lord, you're skipping <laughs> we got, we way gotta ahead. We got to start losing the war first and then win yeah. the war. Oh, oh the yeah, war's nearly right. lost. They overshot by nine months. <laughs> by nine months. A full-term pregnancy. Actually, it's 10 months as a full-term pregnancy. They oh, okay. say nine months, but it's 10 months. Because by okay. the time you get to yeah, the end of that ninth the... month, it's 10 months. Oh, okay. So yeah. it doesn't happen at the beginning of month nine. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> just that's just a fact of nature that nobody ever talks about is that women are pregnant for 10 months. So. Well, I've learned a couple things today. I've learned about <laughs> pregnancy, a gestation period for humans, and how to use paddles to restart somebody's heart. Yeah, except you can't. <laughs> yeah. How to shock it back into rhythm is what they do. Anyway. Um, speaking of how they, the crew of Discovery embraces Starfleet again, they rediscover themselves, that the Federation is abandoning Starfleet and out of desperation looking for any way to win the war. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they make a deal with the Emperor to become captain of the Discovery. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? And I like Michael just giving her crap and... Threatening a mutiny. You know. It's like, where mm-hmm. are you from again? She threatened mutiny. <laughs> again well she she did 
But just the way that she was egging Giorgio on the bridge about, oh, I've forgotten the name of where you grew up. Oh, yeah. You know, and all those things to finally get Giorgio alone because Michael wasn't prepared for this. Nobody was prepared for this. I, yeah, that was questionable. Yeah, especially after just having a horrible captain and they're going to go get another one. Yeah, I didn't expect that to last. <laughs> I I can understand yeah. the logic of their choices because what they've done up to this point has not worked. Right. And so it's Sarek that goes to the emperor to discuss another option. Right. I thought it was really interesting that after they transported back... Michael doesn't go see Tyler at Saru's request to see how he reacts, yeah. mm -hmm. but she manipulated Saru to see how he reacted to Ripper. I understand that Michael had a lot of trauma because of Ash Tyler, but I also thought, well, you manipulated Saru to see if, if the tardigrade was really a mm -hmm. threat. And now when Saru needs you to do something or wants you to help, you're not, you don't want to do it. Well, in fairness, the latter is more personal. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just seeing if you respond to a, a creature to see if it's threatening or not. I mean, what's your relationship to the tardigrade? It's, it didn't betray and try to kill you. You didn't have sex with the tardigrade. And that we know its of. hands around your throat. <laughs> that we know Well, that's true. true. Yeah. Maybe Saru's a freak. <laughs> I don't know. Although I do really like that they acknowledged their differences at the beginning of that episode mm -hmm. of 14 because... Yeah. We find out that Saru knew that Saru found out that that she ate Kelpian and and we and you know they acknowledged that they had differences and that they had been not completely honest with each other, and then they moved on quickly. Mm -hmm. They were yeah. like, "Oh, okay, you lied to me. Okay, whoa, okay, all right," and moving on. I thought mm -hmm. that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that shows shows a lot of growth between the two of them. It does show a lot of growth, and at the same time. The reasoning was acceptable to both of them. And to protect yeah. each other. Yeah, it wasn't meant to hurt. It was meant to protect. And they both get that. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, done over with. Let's let's go on to the next. Also, the transporter operator was really cute. <laughs> yeah, like yes. this pretty curly hairs. Like it was really magnificent hair. Yeah, guy. we actually yeah. saw him earlier in the season as well, working uh -huh. the transporter. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't notice. <laughs> that's fine. Well, that's you're, okay. Just because you're not attracted to men, so more for me to notice. <laughs> there you go. What do you? A little bit on so, on Ash Tyler and mm -hmm. the post Vogue removal and how people are treating him. Uh, and I I get both sides of it. I really really do. Because it is difficult to separate a person into two personas. And that's literally what was inside him battling and almost caused him to die. And that wasn't him. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he is now just Ash Tyler. Because he still has access to Vogue's memories and such, but he no longer has that personality inside him. And yet everybody just looks at him like he's a pariah. And Tilly. Yeah. I, are you, this is an emotional moment for you, right? Yep, she's having a cry. Yeah. Yep, that Tilly. You having a cry? Yep. I am. I am having a cry. 
<laughs> I like that she goes and sits by him. Mm-hmm. And I love that when he, when uh, he says he's okay, she says, how could that possibly be true? Again, coming back to this is all about empathy. Yep. How could that possibly be true? Mm-hmm. You know, knowing what you've been through. I did think it was cheesy that everybody started getting up and walking over there and sitting down. I was like... I noticed there's some extras in the back that kind of look and hand wave like, what the hell are they doing sitting at that table? <laughs> and then goes back to talking with his friend. It's it's very cool. So not everybody's cool with it. Yeah, I like that the bridge crew did it. And then I was like, that's good. And then more people. I'm like, eh. I, I understand yeah. the sentiment. And I think it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay with me if it's a little bit cheesy. Because for God's sake, they've been through hell. Yeah. You know, and they honestly probably were reminded by seeing Tilly go and sit there and then Detmer coming over and then Bryce coming over and remembered, oh, right, we're supposed to be better people than this. We are supposed to not be petty and small and accept Mm -hmm. that this person has been through some massive trauma and we have no idea what he went through. Yeah. And... So, you know, just Tilly setting the example reminded them. And then when they needed more intel on Kronos and, oh, and George wasn't Oak giving her ass after torture is like, okay, that there's was, somebody else. Oh we my can god, ask. that was intense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well Oh my lord, yes. Yeah. Tiny but fierce. Again, tiny but fierce. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Because Laurel ain't no short person. Mary Shifo is like six feet, six yeah. foot one. She is tall. I have an issue. Okay. That happened earlier in the episode. It does not make sense to me. We know when when Kat torches the bowl of fortune cookies when she finds out that Mirror Uni- Mirror Universe Lorca basically violated her. Um it does not make sense to me that the chiefs that the senior staff isn't in that meeting at that table with everybody after they had just gotten back. Sarek mind raped Saru, and then they all go to the conference room, and none of the senior staff is there. Uh, well, once again, I think the Federation is kind of losing its way during this time, and so they're not doing the stuff that would be re- regular Starfleet protocol. There's some secrets being kept by those that should be in the know. But they've <laughs> all just been... The whole ship was in the mirror universe. Like... Yeah, that's an all hands on deck type of situation, especially coming back into the middle of the war. And there's a bunch of empty yeah. seats at the table. Yeah, I definitely think it's uh, it just bothers it's this me. Desperate times call for desperate measures scenario. I agree. So yeah, I think they're definitely losing their way, yeah. especially the admiral. And you can see that in some of her choices, where she just does not know what to do. She's in the captain's chair, and she's like, uh, uh just. Yeah, because oh, what yeah. is it, Starbase? She's losing it. Five that gets blown up. Starbase one. One. St- one. Starbase one that gets blown up. Yeah, that's like, the well, that's the closest uh, to Earth. I mean, that's literally the first Starbase ever built. And she says, "Okay, let's turn around and go warp." And they're like, "Any other orders? Uh, uh, maintain course and speed." She's done. She has no idea what to do next. And at that moment, yeah, that's when they basically just give up. Yeah, desperate times and desperate measures. Yeah, the whole bridge yeah. crew is looking at each other like, uh-oh, yeah. something's up with the vice admiral. Mm, yeah, She ain't feeling it. Nope. She's done. She's out of options. Yeah, that that is true. She is out of options. There, There's nothing left to try. There's yeah. nothing left. The Klingons are at their door. 
they're heading for Earth. They're going to destroy Earth. And there's no way to defend mm. Earth with one ship. Yeah. Or even the few ships they have left. Yeah. And instead of going to the crew for ideas, they go to the Emperor. <laughs> well, again, it's that it's that thought of everything that we have tried so far is not working. Let's get mm. a different perspective. Yeah, that the Emperor somehow in the Mirror Universe was able to crush the Klingon Empire. So how do you do that? And Sarek has his own little gaslighting moments, too, with Michael when she, when he has the plan with Giorgio and she starts asking him questions because he says there are evolving details. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she says, what evolving details? And his response is, I sense you are uneasy. Like oh, he yeah. turns it back around at her and doesn't answer her question, doesn't answer because she's asking what's up, something's up. <laughs> and he turns it back around at her at her at her weakness involving Tyler, yeah. which then turns into a sentimental moment about, you know, do not regret loving someone, Michael. But still, he deflected that. He did not want to tell Michael what was going on. No, nope. and he also... And he made it about her. Yeah. Well, I feel like what was going on in his mind is he couldn't lie to her and he couldn't tell her. So he did what was mm. logical. Because if he lied to her, she would know he was lying. True. She, she knows him well enough that she would know he was lying. He, he did the logical thing, which was just to redirect her attention. Sneaky and not the best idea at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, hey, we all make mistakes when we're plotting the extinction of a race. Right. Yeah. And how much do you think they knew about the plan? Oh, I think they knew absolutely everything. Sarah and Cornwell did. Yeah. Sarah and Starfleet. Cornwell knew yeah. everything. Yeah. The hydro bomb and everything. Oh, they knew yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The crew didn't, but, yeah. Yeah. No, nobody else did except for them. Giorgio and Sarek and Cornwell and probably the superiors. Yeah, because there's this really what good. What was left of Starfleet headquarters. Yeah, that admiral meeting that the Andorian was in and like that. that yep. I really like that meeting. That's when that's when she is starting to allude to the plan. I understand how you can get to that point, but that's the whole thing. And Michael gets to remind them of that. When Cornwell says, we don't have the luxury of principles, and Michael just interrupts her and says, that's all we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That when you lose that, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. And then she admits her, she tried to do the same thing, and she was wrong. Yeah. She's known she was wrong for a long time. But, uh, you know, she was willing to commit mutiny again to prove that <laughs> Starfleet doesn't do this stuff, man. That was another moment that made me go, get a little teary. Yeah. How about Michael's confrontation with Ash? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> him wanting to solve her to solve his problems. Ooh. Yeah. Again, talking about black women is the way everybody relies on them as being political activists and this sort of thing. But they can't take on the weight of everybody else's issues along with their own. That's why struggle is solitary. Mm -hmm. She had to struggle alone. What makes him think he can rely yeah. on her to get through that? The struggle is his and his alone. Yeah, he yeah. he 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 bothered me. I, that's a very sad conversation for me. But there mm -hmm. are a couple things he says that I'm like, dude, you need to back off. Yeah, he he just wants every he wants shortcuts to being fixed. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go through the hard stuff. Nobody no. does. And I fully get that. Yeah, what happened to him is unfair, but 
at the same time, there's also choices that you make. Well, as and well, it's not so. just him that went through it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Dude, like, I mean, you tried to kill her, and yeah, you mm-hmm. know, she really trusted you. And then there's the whole family and Klingon stuff, and then he throws that in her face. You fell in love with a Klingon. I'm like, no, 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 no. Wrong, yeah. wrong way to go about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was not cool. Not cool at all. And that was him lashing out because he was hurting and he wanted someone to make it all better. And we've all been in that place. Oh, yeah. Every single one of us. And when he started from a defensive position, I mean, that pretty much shows how wrong he was. That he's already deflecting. He's already pushing it and projecting it on her for things he's responsible for. Mm -hmm. Well, partially responsible for. Yeah. Like not, yeah. How far do you want to take brainwashing? Yes, sort of. It's yes, not sort brainwashing. Of he literally <laughs> yeah. had, it was literally Voke's body that was yeah. manipulated and changed, and then the Ash Tyler persona put in a top of that. Yeah, it was. I struggle with this kind of storyline in narratives. Is the person that doesn't have individual agency? So because he's a, we don't know much, what he is. Yeah. Yeah, how much responsibility can you really put on him for his actions? Hmm. If he's if he doesn't have agency, right? Well, that's that's true though, because that's what that's the whole thing with the death of Culber is that was Voke, yeah. that was not Tyler. Again, it's it's kind of like dealing with dissociative identity disorder, but there's literally two people in that body. There's literally two consciousnesses, consciousnesses. Con- yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. In that so body. It, is it unfair Conchai. There we for go. Stamets to resent him or want him to feel guilty for something over which he was not responsible? It is, but at the same time, Stamets has not had time to process and grieve. Mm-hmm. Right. So he is going to be angry. This is the first stage. Yeah. I mean, listen, Stamets's feelings are valid. Michael's feelings are valid. Tyler's feelings are valid too. Yeah. yeah. They just don't all, they're not in harmony. Like yeah. they're all, you know. They're all in different places in this situation. It's all the same situation, but they're in different stages of processing it. Right. Interesting. Wow. What do we think of the Orion district on Kronos? Well, we forgot this growing the spores. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The growing the spores. On the moon. Oh, yeah. That lovely Pretty, planet. Yes. I loved yeah. that. And That's they all had the electromagnetic pulse thingies to help them generate. That was cool. Yes, it was Watching like a thump. It was like after all the seriousness, that was like a nice moment of pretty levity and yeah. like a sort of Deus Ex Machina type of situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll just grow the spores with this agro transport thing, which is a special function. You know, I was like, okay, I'm I'm okay with this. I like it. And it's pretty. Yeah. And it's a prelude for finding a solution out of the war that's more peaceful because mm-hmm. they're able to take a dead planet and create life. Hmm. And so if you think of Kronos possibly being destroyed, made into a dead planet, <laughs> it's hmm. like a little foreshadowing is like, oh, this is what we do. This is what Discovery does. Yeah. Uh-huh. I find like that, a Dave. scenario of of death and you know like they say about kirk is you know finding victory out of defeat yeah where were we oh i yeah i was wondering what you thought of the uh oh the orion, the orion district. district orion district Kronos. okay yeah um easter eggs up the wazoo 
mm-hmm. in this sequence so much so that I can't TNG Easter eggs, DS9 Easter eggs, TOS Easter eggs with having Clint Howard even a there. Call back to the space whale. Yeah. Yep. Gracie the Gormagander, oh, as my. I affectionately call her. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm going to say it's not the same Gorm- Gormagander. Oh, no, no. It's not the same Gormagander. I love finding out that um, Giorgio is pretty much pansexual. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And she looks great in a bustier. <laughs> oh, and I like when Tilly, when they're, when they're getting ready to beam down and ash and burnham ash is still trying to talk to burnham and she's like you don't need to worry about me and then tilly puts herself in between the two of them mm-hmm. she's like leave my girl alone i'm gonna <laughs> take care of her stay away from her i loved that yeah tilly is always she's always on it when it comes to people she knows what needs to be done and she does it tyler needed that you know yeah that people sitting down and talking to him but now Michael needs protection. And so that's what she's doing. So she mm-hmm. she does what is needed for the emotional situation. Because she's yeah. just, that's just Tilly. And it's one of her strengths. I liked Ash Tyler playing craps. That was fun. Hmm. With the Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> what was that game called? Destroy Them? <laughs> basically. Uh, I can't remember. That did trigger Michael a bit. Well, yeah, because when her parents died, there was laughing and cajoling, much like she heard in Klingon. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to see Ash doing that and how he looked, says that he got on well because the Klingons just looked at him like a dog on water skis or whatever he said. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he was a kind of a, a novelty to them, this human that can speak Klingon. Hey, you know the tattoo that Michael touched? And it mo- and it mm-hmm. it looks sort of scarab like. Yes. It to me it also kind of looked like the red angel a little bit. It did. I thought Ooh. the same thing. It was very red angel. Interesting. Is... Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of a little teaser that we didn't even recognize. Maybe I'm just going to headcanon mm, that. So. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Because you imagine they already had some ideas in mind. Like, she smiled when she touched it. So I'm thinking, oh, she smiled because it reminded her of what Spock used to talk about. Mm. Oh. We are going way over, but that we is, we have so, so much to say. There's so much lot, to say. Yeah. So, yeah. So medals, um, speech medals, makes me speech. cry. Speech at the beginning was the speech at the end. Michael's oh, yeah. storytelling, which also happens at the beginning of season two. Michael gets her commission back. Her record's been expunged. Mm-hmm. Her prison sentence has been commuted, and she's a commander again. Nice. Mm-hmm. Laurel, they they scheme to uh, to unite the houses in a, in a mm-hmm. in a in a plan that has no honor. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you follow me or die, because right. so she's basically claiming she's the strongest person in that room because she can kill them all with one press of a button. It was a very it was very Romulan, I think I have to say. Yeah, that's House true. Mokai well, is very Romulan. Klingon's sense of honor is very loose. Because mm. <laughs> if if in battle you break the neck of a medical officer when killing medical personnel in war is frowned upon anyway. Yeah. It's like their view of honor is not the same as our view of honor. It's so. a sliding scale. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's like exactly what is honorable. It exists on a spectrum. Yeah. It's just it is. getting drunk and killing things seems to be the main thing for yeah. Klingons. Yep. Oh man. This this part of the, this half of the season had less episodes and yet we talked way more about it. Yes, we did. Oh, there's a lot, a lot going on. So much going so, on. Really a lot. End of the 
Klingon War and the Mirror Universe stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot to go through. Okay, so... And you're resolving all the storylines <laughs> that came before. That's true. Setting up the Section 31 series and then mm-hmm. Short Treks. Yeah. yeah. So, Dave, final thoughts. Go. On season as a whole. I usually hate Mirror Universe episodes, but I think the way this approaches it, it's not like what they did with DS9, which they just seemed like throwaway comedy episodes. This was deeply involved, and I really like how that they ended each of these story arcs and left it open for what happens before. Not everything's nice and clean. We do get Michael and Ash parting because, you know, Ash Tyler is somebody with no real home, so he's going to be this bridge between the two, or attempt to be anyway. And I find that fascinating to see how that plays out in the second season, (laughs) if it plays out in the second season. So, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this first series and watching it again in quick succession you know just binging through the episodes things are a little more tightly written than one would assume they seem to know where they were going with most things i mean some of saru's stuff aside (laughs) but yeah um yeah very cool very engaging uh, story about people's personal trauma and self-discovery chris Yeah, I think that this is the best first season of any Star Trek series to date. The more and more that I watch it and the more time goes by, the more I respect all of the different choices that they made. And I think it's really just really, really good storytelling. Character development is awesome. It's a brand new way to look at Star Trek. And I I mean, again, I'm really close to saying Discovery is my favorite Star Trek series. Um and you know ending season one with the enterprise coming in i tear up every single time that happens same and i just i think it's a i think it's an amazing first series season i'm saying series the oh, british yeah. series like dave does <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but I, know. I yeah i just i think it's i think it's an incredible season and and i just love it so much i, ne- I never get tired of rewatching it either yeah i can't really say more than what you two have already said <laughs> Uh, it is my favorite trek, and I'm unashamed of it. Um, I feel that it is a richer experience this time because of the context of season two. And I think that that will continue to grow as we get season three. There is still value in rewatching all of these episodes, and I look forward to doing that with season two. We're already two episodes into season two. Having a really great time. Because Pike. Because Pike. (laughs) Because Pike. Because Spock's coming. And because... Mm. uh, Yep, we were just introduced to Jet Reno. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good times. So, looking forward to it. Okay. So, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield and follow my other shows. There are four questions. You can follow that at four questions trek and that's the number four or open channel our star trek community podcast which is dedicated to facilitating the fan conversation for each new star trek episode at open channel trek on instagram and twitter dave you can follow me on twitter at dark corner cast i co-host with brandy the dark corner podcast which is looking at pop culture from a somewhat darker lens 
You can find that on darkcornerpodcast.com. And I'm also on Facebook as DJ Evil Dave, posting links to music videos such. That it? <laughs> I don't do nearly as many things as you do, dear. No, I know. What do I you do? I do too many things. Also on darkcornerpodcast.com, you can find Head Cannon, which is the weird trip through my brain and my fandoms. I, on this network, Hollow Sweet Media, 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 on Hollow Sweet Media, <laughs> Media, which is where this podcast is also found. I do the Vedic Assembly, which is a Deep Space Nine podcast with Nick and Liam. And I do Boldly Go, which is a Strange New Worlds podcast with my friend Suzanne. I do two live shows on the weekends, Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Figure it out for yourself. Uh, the Unready Room, and we are talking about Lower Decks episodes as they happen. So it's the day after each new Lower Decks episode, and you can find that on YouTube at Kurt Ratz Productions, which is my friend Dan Gunther's YouTube channel. He is my co-host with that. We have a great time. Saturdays at 12 noon Mountain Time. My friend Aaron Harvey and I do a live show called Infinite Trek, where we talk about literally anything relating to Trek that we want. Right now, we are also going through Lower Decks, coming at it from a sort of different perspective of all of the Easter eggs, because Aaron is fantastic at finding those, and he is the authority on the animated series, so he knows what to look for and knows all of those connections. It's really quite fun and fascinating to do that with him, and I think that's it. Yep. I feel like you're the James Brown of Star Trek podcasting. <laughs> um, James Brown was like the hardest working man in show business, and you're like the hardest working woman in Star Trek podcasting. I don't know that that's true, but um, I think it, no, it was definitely Liam and Suzanne who on their latest episode of the Janeway called me the Jeffrey Combs of podcasting. <laughs> oh, that's good. Or the Von Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. I but they knew I'd like Jeffrey Combs because they know how much I love Jeffrey Combs. So anyway, can I say one thing that I forgot to say that I really wanted to just shout out about yes. season one of Discovery? Yes. We have two men in love, and they kissed, and they said that they loved each other on a Star Trek series, mm -hmm. and that was so huge for me the first time that I saw that. I mean, I cry every time, but like to finally see be able to see myself in a way that I never have before in Star Trek was is is continues to be so moving and so important for me and like special and beautiful and I can't believe I forgot to talk about it because now I just know that it's there but it it will always be so special because of that so much more special because of that to me well said what a wonderful yep. way to end definitely <laughs> <laughs> So in the next episode, we will start on our retrospective of season two. Ooh. I think we're going to split it right down the middle, episodes one through seven, and then episodes eight through 14. So join us for that. We're getting them out before season three is upon us. Thank you so much for listening, and join us again to see what the future holds. <laughs>
Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. Google Clippy Microsoft Word. It was a little paperclip, like animated paperclip that would pop up when you were using Microsoft Word, and it was like a little helper. And there are going to be more comments on it in this episode, too, so we'll get to those. Right. You kind of have to be older like us to get that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, you're right. And Nick goes on, but before he does, I want to just congratulate him on being a doctor now. Congratulations, Dr. Nick. Woohoo! Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. But then again, senior officer meeting, why is Harry Kim in there? He's an ensign. Because he is the senior ops bridge person. I don't know. Yeah, but that's what doesn't make sense to me. If he's like the senior ops person, does that mean everyone below him is just a crewman? He's a crewman. <laughs> because he can't boss even Lieutenant Junior grades around. Oh my gosh. So their ops department is just a mess because it's just crewmen. Well, it's a mess also. That explains a lot. Yeah, actually it does, about doesn't Voyager. it? Loading Holosuite Preview Program for StarPod Trek a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. And remember that Gene Roddenberry wrote the novel for the motion picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, about the search for God and everything, that part of and it. And there's a lot of details in that novel that didn't make it to the picture that actually opens up the scope of the Star Trek universe even more so. I mean, it's a great it, read. Yeah, he put, he put other stuff in it. And, but, you know, but, I, but Scotty being a drunk, I don't know why he... Like, why wouldn't know, Scotty just yeah, continue yeah. to be an engineer and, you know, be a proud worker and... Starfleet officer. Computer, deactivate Holosuite. 